I'm Terry Cadwell. I'm the pastor of Connect Groups here. Mac and Julie and uh, most of the family is off, uh, is off after Christmas, taking a little vacation. And, and I hope they're, they're resting, enjoying their vacation because I'm here. And I, and I hope that you're glad that I'm here because I'm certainly glad that you're here. Uh, I don't know what I would be doing right now if you weren't here. Uh, I also have some, some guests here that uh, I don't even know. I'm trying to remember the last time they were here. Uh, my son and uh, my son Kevin and his wife Courtney and, and my, my granddaughter Addison. Addison, would you come up here a second? You know, my other grandkids have been here before, but Kevin and Courtney are very active in ministry at a church in Houston, and so they're never here. And this is Addison, but I, I don't, golly, you're getting so big I can barely pick you up, Addison. I don't, some, sometimes I have a special name for you. What is it? Sugar pumpkin. Sugar pumpkin. That's right. She's my sugar pumpkin, and she's my favorite youngest granddaughter. Okay? Aren't you? Okay. And I thank you for coming up here. I wanted them to meet you. Okay, now it looks to me like there's about 900 or eight, about, about 800 of your closest friends out there, Addison. So uh, now they all know you, and are, are you going to be able to remember all their names when you leave? Okay. Uh, thanks for coming up here, Sugar Pumpkin. It's really cool when I, uh, like I said, I don't, I don't get to have my, my, uh, my son and, and Courtney and uh, Kevin and Courtney. In fact, you know what? Kevin, stand up a second. Just a second. Kevin and Courtney, you can stand up too, okay? I, I want you all to look just a second. I, I'm going to talk about him a little bit later, okay? So, so Kevin, turn around that way so they all... See you. Okay, so I'm going to talk about him a little bit later. So now you know who I'm, who I'm talking about. Last weekend, it was four or five days before Christmas, and I went to a barbecue place to get some barbecue to bring home. And when the guy went to give me the barbecue, uh, he said, so are you ready for Christmas? And I kind of laughed at him, and I said, of course not. I mean, what if four or five days before Christmas, who is ready for Christmas four or five days before Christmas. I mean, Christmas is a big deal at our house. It's a big deal at Lake Hills Church. I mean, there's a lot of things that you have to do in order to be ready for Christmas. Now, I have a question. Do you ever ask yourself, why? I mean, why do we go through all of the preparation and everything to get ready for Christmas. Why is Christmas such a big deal? If you have your Bibles or your phone where you may happen to keep your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 5, verse 12. And then also see if you can find uh, or be ready to find Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. So Romans 5, verse 12, and then Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verse 1. Three, three weeks ago, on the first Sunday in December, we had baptized. I'd baptized some people here. We'd baptized. And, uh, and right after the baptism, uh, there was a little third-grade girl out here on the porch. And her sister had just been baptized. So she was waiting, uh, waiting there and with her, with her younger sister. And Ryan Kelsheimer went up to her, and he said, So what's on your Christmas list? And she looked up at Ryan, and she said, Christmas is not about presents. It's about Jesus. Now, folks, Ryan is not here today. Next week, 
When you see Ryan, you remind him, okay? You just say, Ryan, you should have known that. Christmas is not about presents. It's about Jesus. But I tell you what, when I was a kid, Christmas was about presents. And then when I became, uh, when, when I became an adult, it, it became more about family and presence, except it wasn't necessarily the presence that I was going to get. It was finding the perfect, the perfect gift to give to people that I care about. And then when kids came along, then we tried, Patsy and I tried to make it more about Jesus. And you know, there were some Christmases that I think we actually succeeded. It was a, a few weeks ago, and uh, I was late. I got a late start, and so I was as I was leaving the house, the sun was just coming up, and there was a beautiful, gorgeous sunrise. And you know, whenever I see a really gorgeous sunrise, it makes me think of God, because God made that sunrise beautiful so that I could see it. I do the same thing with a beautiful sunset. It, my attention then is drawn to God. And so I, I was thinking about the sunrise and, and, my, and God and, and all of a sudden all of these creation images, things that I had seen that God had created, they, they started going through my mind. And you know what? It's, so, it's hard for me to describe to you what was going through my mind, so let's just sort of watch it. There's a video. I want you to watch this video because this is the kind of thing that was going through my mind. And when, when these images, these creation images came through my mind, I immediately, I started thinking, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And then it says, and all things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. And then I went a little further in John chapter 1. And I talked about, and he became flesh and dwelt among us. And then an image came across my mind that I wasn't expecting at all. And it was that image. And I thought, oh God, why did you do that? Hebrews chapter 2 says that it was necessary that he be made like us in every way. Now that means that before there was a baby in a manger, the creator who made everything became a tiny embryo growing inside of Mary, his mother. And so the question is still, why? Why did our creator visit our earth and he began his life here on earth as a tiny embryo the way we did? And you know why? The reason is because you and I, we have a big problem. And that was the only thing that could fix it. Let's pray. Lord God, Father, as I come before you now, I come in the holy, awesome, incredible name of Jesus. God, thank you for the privilege that you've given me to talk about you. And God, I thank you. I thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming into our world the way you did. 
And God, I just ask you right now that you would open up our minds to grasp something of the wonder, something of the miracle, something of your awesome greatness that you revealed about yourself coming into this world. Lord, don't let anything in me get in your way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says, When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so that death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. That word there translated sin in our Bibles and in the Greek text from which it comes, it would, that word that was translated sin was, was actually an archery term. And it's an archery term that means to miss the mark. And the idea is that God has put this target, this bullseye out here for each of us. And that target is what our life should look like. But ever since Adam, nobody has hit that target. And that includes each of us. See, there's something, in fact, there's something in us, in each of us, that doesn't even want to hit that target. And we were born that way. When Kevin was just a little baby, in fact, he wasn't even walking yet, but he could crawl. And, and, and because he could crawl, there were two things in our house that were off limits to Kevin. One was my books, and the other was the cat food that was on the floor. Well, guess what two things were the most interesting to Kevin? Well, and, and so sometimes his eyes, you know, he would be crawling around and he would see the cat food bowl and, and, and something would just get a hold of him and he would start crawling across to that cat food, to that cat food bowl and he would reach out his hand to get it and, and either Patsy or I, whichever one of us was watching this whole little drama take place, uh, we, we would say, Kevin, no. And Kevin would look around at us. You could just see the disappointment in his face. And he would pull his hand back and then crawl over and do something else. And this actually worked for a while. But then the day came when Kevin saw the cat food bowl. And he was crawling across to get to the cat food bowl. And he reached his hand out to get into the cat food bowl. And either Patsy or I, we said, Kevin... No. Well, Kevin looked back at us, and he looked at the cat food bowl, and he looked back, and there was a lot going on in that little brain. And he looked, and then he pulled his hand back, and he turned around and faced us. He's sitting on the floor, and he's looking right at us with this big smile on his face. He reaches his hand behind his back <laughs> to get in to the cat food. I guess he thought that if he couldn't see his hand in the cat food bowl, that we couldn't see his hand in the cat food bowl. You know, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says that sins that are in the mind are still sin. So Kevin's sin began before he put his hand in the cat food bowl. Kevin's sin began when he started trying to figure out how he could put his hand in the cat food bowl without us seeing it. Now, Romans chapter 5 says that sin brought death. Well, when God told Adam, in the day that you eat it, you will die. In the day that you eat that fruit that's in the center of the garden, in the day you eat it, you will die. But 
It was years, years before Adam and Eve actually died physically. But you know what? The day that they ate it, something happened. The day that they ate it, that perfect life that they had in the garden was replaced with guilt and shame and fear of God. They were afraid of God. Adam used to walk with God. And now he was afraid of God. And, and hostility towards each other. You see, in the Bible, death is often more than just physical. It also applies to our soul and to our spirit. And so Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 says, once you were, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, it, it was, it, it's like a living death. And it includes all of those toxic emotions and behaviors that result from being separated from God. Things like guilt and, and shame and anger and hate and hostility and, and envy and strife and lust. All of those things that keep us from ever having the life that we were created to have. I was 12 or 13 when I realized that I had a problem with sin. I was raised in a good home, and I knew right from wrong. But I didn't always do what was right. Romans chapter 7, verse 18 and 19 says, I want to do what is right, but I can't do it. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it. I could identify with that. Now, I tried easing my conscience by pointing out the sins of others that I thought looked worse than mine, but that didn't work. And you know why? Romans and Corinthians, they both give these long lists of all of the things that are included in missing the mark. And that list includes everything from murder and, 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 and violence and sexual sin to gossip and disobeying your parents and even not loving people. And it's all sin. It's all missing the mark. And so pointing out the sins of other people, that didn't make me right with God. And so I tried doing good things to make up for the bad things. And I did things like go to church. I did things like read my Bible. I did things like, like praying sometimes. But, but Romans chapter 3 says, says no man can be right, made right with God by, by doing those kinds of things. You know, it's New Year's coming up. And a lot of people will make New Year's resolutions that, that they're, they're going to they're, they're do better this next year than they did this last year. Well, you know what? I didn't wait for New Year's to make do better resolutions. I made New Year's do, year, do better resolutions all year long. But they never worked. I still sinned. The good, godly life that God wanted me to have, a life actually that I wanted, was beyond my ability and you know what? When Kevin, when he put his hand in that cat food, it was obvious to me that my son and I were born with the same problem, a problem we could not fix. Now, I loved Kevin, and I would like to think that if there was any way I could have taken Kevin's sin and his death and his living death upon me, I would have. 
but I couldn't. For one thing, I don't have the ability to do that, to take what was in him and put it on me. But also, I had my own sin and death to kneel with. But what if God, the holy, eternal, living, life-giving, creator God, somehow became a man? Well, as a man, he could die. And since he was God, holy and sinless and perfect, and in addition to being holy and sinless and perfect, he was all-powerful. Well, did that mean maybe he could be the host for my sin and my death? And not just me. Since he's God... I mean, couldn't he become the host for the sin and death of the whole world, including my son? A number of years ago, I was sharing the gospel with, uh, with a young lady. And when she, when she realized what I was, was getting into, she just stopped me. And she said, you're wasting your time. She said, I could never believe in a God who would send his own son into our world and allow him to die and not do anything to save him. But folks, that's why Jesus came into our world. 1 John chapter 3, verse 5 says, Jesus came into the world to take away sin. You see, folks, Christmas happened so there could be an Easter when our sin and our death was all taken care of. And it was sometime between Christmas and New Year's 52 years ago. It may have been on January the 29th. I know it was right in this little week-long time frame that I realized for the first time why Jesus came into this world to be one of us. That it was so he could take my sin and my death to the cross and so that I could have life that I could never attain to on my own. That that life could be mine if I asked Jesus to be my Lord, to be my boss. And so when I realized this, I stopped what I was doing. Actually, I think it was deer hunting. So I was out in the woods. I stopped looking for deer. And I just bowed my head. And I said, Lord Jesus, forgive me for just playing church all these years. And then I said, Lord Jesus, come into my life and take me like a football and run with me wherever you want to go. You see, life begins when Jesus becomes our Lord. Well, immediately the guilt and the shame that was there because I could never sustain my resolutions to do better. That guilt and that shame was replaced with a certainty that I had been forgiven and with the confidence that God accepted me just as, just as I was to be his child. Well, it wasn't long before I realized God had actually changed me. And, and, and what, what made me realize that was I had a, an ability to love Patsy even when she wasn't being lovable. 
Now, I know y'all find that hard to believe, but, but, but and I, I found it hard to believe that I could love her even when she wasn't being lovable. And, and, and when I did, I thought, oh, my word, where in the world did that come from? That's different. Well, it came from God. I was new. God had changed me. And I now had a relationship with God, not just as my creator, but as my father. Ephesians puts it this way. In Ephesians 2.1, remember it says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. But then it goes along a few verses later and it says, verse 5, Ephesians 2.5, it says, but God made us alive together with Christ so that my living death became life. But then something happened that I wasn't prepared for. I sinned. Now, 1 John says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, so I, I confessed my sin and I promised God I wouldn't do it anymore. But I didn't keep my promise. In fact, I discovered the same thing that Paul discovered that he talks about in Romans 7 when, he's, when he says, I find in that there's this evil in me, the one who wants to do good. You see, I still had a problem. And it was the same problem that I had before I became a Christ follower. And the problem was sin. You know what? There it is. I was looking to see, I, I was looking to see where something was. I just found it. Okay, so... Strike that from the record, okay? I know it's going to be on tape, but strike it anyhow, okay? I still had a problem. The problem was the same one that I had before I became a Christ follower. The problem was sin. I had been forgiven, but that sin was still there. It didn't really go away. Now, on, on, on your Connect card, there, there's a little box in there that says, I'm renewing my commitment to Christ. Well, you know what, folks? I renewed my commitment to Jesus Almost on a weekly basis, I was confessing sin and saying, God, I'm yours. And, and, and I never could keep my promise. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we may die to sins and live for righteousness. Now, Jesus taking my sins to the cross was something I could almost get my mind around. Somehow... My sin and my death was transferred to Jesus on the cross. But what about the rest of that verse? The part about dying to sin and living to righteousness. I had no idea how to make that a reality in my life. There had to be something more than just confessing sin and promising God I would do better. And there was. The New Testament tells us that when I prayed and I asked Jesus to take me like a football and run with me wherever he wanted to go, that his Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that raised him up from the dead, took up residence in me. Romans chapter 8 verse 13 says, If through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature... You will live. So the Holy Spirit that is in me is able to do what I can't do 
by promising God, I will do better. But how? How was I supposed to, by the Holy Spirit in me, put to death the deeds of my sinful nature? Now, this is something that has taken me years to figure out. And it's also something I'm still learning to put into practice. In other words, I still sin sometimes. Okay, I'm still learning to put it into practice. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Now, I want to borrow a prop from Pilgrim's Progress. Okay, it says, throw off, throw off that everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So to throw off the things that hinder means I'm going to leave behind all of those things that were in my life before Jesus that might impede my relationship with God and the life that he has for me to live. And it also says throw off the sin that so easily entangles. You know, folks, everyone has some sort of sinful predispositions and inclinations that easily entangle us. And the reason they're so, they so easily entangle us is because they're built right into our flesh. Now, God didn't give those to us. Those were inherited from Adam, but they're there. But it says, throw it off. In other words, confess it to God, confess that that's sin, and then turn away from it. Okay, but now what? I mean, that thing that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, it's still there. In fact, Romans 7, it's not just there, it's still in me. Now, this is the part that has taken me so long to learn. And I'm still working to consistently put it into practice. Hebrews says, run with perseverance the race that is before you, that is marked out for you. And then it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. With your mind's eye, with my mind's eye, look to Jesus. You see, the instant we look to Jesus, who died for us and God raised him from the dead, the instant we look to him, the Holy Spirit who is in us, puts to death whatever deeds of the flesh are trying to get our attention. You see, folks, if we're Christ followers, then we can't be thinking about Jesus and sinning at the same time. With your mind's eye, he says, look to Jesus, because when you're looking to Jesus, you're not looking at that. You're looking at Jesus and the moment I start thinking about Jesus, then his Holy Spirit in me overpowers the sin that is within me. Life begins when Jesus becomes our Lord. Life triumphs when Jesus becomes our focus. Christmas happened because no human effort can change that sinful flesh, that flesh that we were born with that is hostile to God into the person able to live the life that we were created to live. No human effort could do that. 
So the creator himself became a human embryo so that he could grow into a person just like us, except without sin, so that he could take our sin and our death upon himself on the cross. But he didn't stop there. He didn't send his Holy Spirit to live in us so that if we just look to him, then that Holy Spirit defeats that sinful self that we were born with. You see, folks, Christmas is a big deal because it really is about Jesus. Christmas, that's when God took our sin problem into his own hands so we could have the life that we were created to live. Now I want to ask you, has that life, has that begun in you? In other words, have you asked Jesus to be Lord? You can. You can today. You can do it. It doesn't take long. It took me about 20 seconds. I asked God to forgive me for playing church. And I said, Jesus, come into my life and take me like a football and run wherever you want to go. And that was it. That began. That began life. Instead of a living death, life begins when Jesus becomes your Lord. And he becomes your Lord when you ask him to be your Lord, to be your boss. If you've never done that, you can do that today. Life can begin for you today. The life that God has for you to live can begin today. In just a moment, we're going to bow our heads and you can pray. Just pray with your mouth to God. Just whisper, okay? And in that prayer, ask Jesus to come into your life and be your boss, be your Lord. Life can start right now. Let's bow our heads. And if you've never made that decision, if you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord, and you want to, you don't need to wait till you get home. You can do that today. Right now, just under your breath, whisper a prayer to God and say, Jesus, be my Lord. And the instant you do that, just do it right now. Just say, Jesus, be my Lord. Forgive me for sin, the things that I've done that are wrong, and be my Lord. And when you do that, he will enter your heart. And his Holy Spirit will enter your life. And then life begins there. And you can spend the rest of your life learning how to focus your attention on him. So that this new life will triumph over all of the death that can start today. Just pray. Pray, Lord Jesus. Jesus, come into my life and be my Lord. Now, if you just prayed that prayer, 
with everybody keep your heads bowed if you just pray that prayer before you leave today I'm going to ask you to do two things take that connect card that's on the program that you received when you came in fill it out and please fill it out so that I can read it uh, and, and I'm an old guy my eyes aren't what they used to be so just please fill it out legibly so that I can read it because I'm, I want to contact you if you made that decision today, I'd like to have a conversation with you. It wouldn't be a long conversation. We could get together right here on a Sunday morning between the, our, our, our worship services, meet out here at one of these silver tables. I just want to have a conversation with you about some important next steps that will help you grow in your relationship with, with the Lord and, and will help you keep your focus on Him. I'd like to have that conversation with you. So please, just fill that card out and check that place that says, I committed my life to Christ today. And then when you get ready to leave, you can hand it to, to, to one of the, of the ushers, one, so somebody in a blue shirt, or you can go out to, to the hub. There's a, there, there's a box out there that says connect cards on it. And just, just drop that card in, their, in the box or hand it to somebody that may be standing out there at the hub. So that's the first thing. If you just prayed that prayer, let us know. Fill that card out. But then one more thing. While everybody's head's bowed, would you just hold your hand up in the air? Just put it up in the air. And I'm asking you to do that for two reasons. One is you're just kind of holding up your hand to God. And you're saying, God, I'm serious about this. I want Jesus Christ, your son, to be my Lord. But you're also marking this time as the day you held your hand up. December the 29th. 2019, the day you held your hand up and said you just committed your life to Christ. Okay, now while your hand's up, don't put it down yet. We have a tradition here at Lake Hills Church, and that is when you put your hand down, you can put it down. We put our hands together. 